Hey everyone, welcome to the How They Made It podcast, a show that's dedicated to helping you make it in the world of fabrication. I'm your host, Jeremy Cross, and this episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by Sawblade.com. No middleman, no markup, no problem. Sawblade.com, go direct. Today, I am joined by Lucas D'Angelo. Lucas is a woodworker turned metalworker based in Massachusetts. You can follow him on Instagram at manmade in M-A. That's M-A-N-N, made, M-A-D-E-I-N, M-A. Lucas, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining Good. us. Good. How are you? How are you? Great, great, great. Um, well, cool. Well, uh, can I always just like to start um, at the beginning? Where did you grow up and, and kind of what were you into as a kid? Yeah. Um, grew up here in Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, a little town called Arlington. And uh, I was always into messing around with things like, you know, RC cars and uh, little woodworking projects and stuff. And a lot of that responsibilities uh, falls on my my grandfather and my two uncles on my mom's side, um, which is which is where the last name Man comes from. They were, that was the maternal family name. So that's my middle name. Uh, so that's where that comes from. But I was always tinkering with stuff. Um, you know, like I watched a lot of like, you know, Monster Garage, like that kind of stuff. So I always wanted to replicate that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I first got into woodworking a little bit when I was probably six or seven years old um, with my grandfather and uncles. They got me into just making little, little crafty projects or uh, turning on the lathe even. So uh, I think I fired up the lathe for the first time with them when I was maybe seven. And there was a little bit of a lull in my, you know, woodworking kind of activities, I guess around the high school time. Um, I, I still did some stuff. I still worked on stuff, but it wasn't quite as heavy, you know, just going through high school. I, uh, I wrote a lot of BMX and it's, it's funny because that's how uh, I actually met a couple of good friends back then who are still really good friends today in the maker and fabrication world. Um, so it's, it's funny to see how, you know, those paths kind of stayed parallel a little bit, but, um, yeah, so I mean, got back into it pretty heavily towards the end of high school and have never really looked back. That's awesome. And did you, uh, did you have any classes in high school that, that kind of, um, did it like any type of like shop stuff or was it kind of all on your own? I was mostly on my own or it really was all on my own. So the, the year that I started high school as a freshman, they offered auto shop and wood shop but only to juniors and seniors. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, I got something to look forward to. This is going to be great. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, they got rid of auto shop and wood shop completely. Oh. Like shut it down, never doing it again. And that was, uh, I, I, I was bummed, you know, because I just heard this is cool. You know, like my whole childhood, I'm like, oh, auto shop in high school, wood shop, it's going to be great, you know, uh, access to machinery that I don't necessarily have at home. Uh, so I was bummed. So I just kind of took that as a, well, I'm going to, you know, do as much of it as I can on my own, you know, whether it was going to visit my uncles and their shops or whatever. But I always kind of had a little bit of a shop going like in my mom's basement, you know, and that, that got to a point where, where it started to take over the whole, the whole basement. Um, and that was at the kind of the point where I figured I should, uh, I should start looking to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what were you uh, kind of? What were you making like in those days? Like, was it? Uh... It was a little bit of everything. I mean, I wanted to try a lot of different stuff. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to, like I said, I started with woodworking. So, you know, I wanted to make 
I just wanted to try like the basic cutting boards. Um, you know, uh, I, instead of going out and buying a picture frame for something, I'd make a picture frame. Then I kind of got this urge to try and make a knife, you know, and I, I think it's, it's funny. It's like common stuff that I think a lot of people that kind of go through this, this growth or this path hit these, you know, sort of, I don't want to use the word cliche, but sort of uh, milestone. I want to try this. I want to try this. I want to try this, you know, so I did all that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, I wanted to learn how to weld, so I taught myself how to weld uh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago uh, with a Harbor Freight flux core welder, so like the bottom of the barrel, you know, but um, yeah, it worked. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So so when you when you were doing that, was it like YouTube University, like you were looking on online, or like did you just like trial and error? Um, I've never been someone that has been able to successfully, uh, learn something from YouTube. And I, that sound, I, I hate saying that, but I don't feel, I don't, I just don't have the attention span to watch, you know, a 10 minute video on how to do something. What I'd rather do if I'm going to go out and find information is I'd rather read an article. I'd rather skim through an article or I'd rather just try it. A lot of, a lot of what I've done is just been through, I'm going to try or, you know, I've got a really good network too of of friends and acquaintances that are skilled in these various fields or professions, um, you know, highly skilled. So I've got a good network of resources to say, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to do this. This is what I've done so far. I'm kind of having eh results. What should I do? Or what's your recommendation? So that's been super helpful as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. So you, uh, you wrap up high school sans any shop class. What do you right. kind of, what do you do from there? So I went to, I went off to college um, initially for video production, more on the post-production side of things. Uh, that was sort of a carryover from the BMX era because we were always filming and editing and putting out videos or DVDs or web videos, whatever. So I thought this would be great. You know, I really enjoyed that part of it. First semester, totally burned out for me because it was going to classes where they were saying, okay, you have to make a video this long with this subject matter, with this camera, edit it on this software and do it in this style. And I'm like, well, where's the creativity in that? That's no fun for me. So I ended up just kind of like veering away from that and found shop classes in college. And the only way that I was able to use the metal shop and the wood shop was if I took all the classes. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to take all these classes. Um, officially redeclared as a, you know, just a business major. But because of all those tech classes, tech ed classes I'd taken to use the shop, ended up basically just falling into a minor in tech ed just as a result of taking those classes so uh the whole time i was working i've worked since high school and i currently still do at the same job um which is i work for a small chain of ace hardware stores just outside of boston um initially i started in high school like stock and shelves moved into more sort of in the warehouse warehouse manager assistant store manager store manager and then i've kind of shifted gears a little bit into facilities director so we own for commercial buildings, four stores, and a residential property. So I handle all the properties, maintenance, renovations, upgrades. I do all sorts of other odd jobs, a small engine repair, work on the machinery and the equipment and the trucks. And so, man, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, okay. So then at, at what point did you, um, kind of start, uh, the, uh, the man-made stuff, like start your Instagram and start kind of producing that stuff? So I've had, it's funny, like everyone always says like, wow, your Instagram, it seems like it goes way back. It's, this, is, this is my Instagram account that I've always had, like since day one. So I think it's like 10 or 11 years ago, I started this Instagram account. It wasn't called Man Made then, but 
unlike a lot of people I think that'll start one for their business I'm like well why not just take the one I've been using and posting the stuff that I'm making on and just change the username so that was uh that was 2017 uh I I toyed with some options and some some names but that one always kind of stuck to me that's something that like my grandfather had said and you know my my uncles had kind of used that term but never really turned it into anything and so I said well you know what like let's do this so that was that was when I rebranded the Instagram and just you know had the, the logo and ran with it that's awesome what uh, like what are you kind of like predominantly making right now Currently, uh, I would say the last year or so has been, um, in terms of you know stuff that I'm actually fabricating and producing, is uh, metal, small fabrication jobs, small metal fabrication jobs, be it some welding, be it uh, machining, repairs, stuff like that is what people will you know hire me to do, you know, call me to do, and then stuff that I'm doing on my own to put out. I make little um, brass key like carabiner keychains. Um, I think I might have one right over here. So basically, these these things here. So I machine these keys go down here. This clips onto your belt, but there's no moving parts. It's also got a little ball opener slot. Um, that was sort of a inspiration from a good friend of mine, Chris, who who had made one or two of them, and I loved it. And he had like a nice little clip on his. But I'm like, I just I like the simplicity of this. So I make those, and I do a lot of uh, restoration work, uh, vintage machine tools and equipment. So, cool. you know, buy stuff off the scrap heap or save it off the scrap heap and rebuild it, replace any parts, make new parts, make it run like new again and move yeah. it on to someone that'll use it. What made you kind of decide to transition from kind of where you started on the wood side over to like metal fab? I had no real experience. I always liked metal and I always liked the, the concept of taking something and not necessarily removing material like with wood you remove material to create a shape or whatever and with metal you're never really you know m removing material per se unless you're you know cutting it but like you're not like sanding you're manipulating it you're changing the shape of it you're you're moving it and you're doing that with heat you're joining things together it's i just really like the idea of it so i i never had you know metal machining tools or anything originally and i had a lot of woodworking equipment but i thought you know i really want to get into I just want to try it. I just want to try it. I just want to get something. So I got a milling machine and just kind of dove in and taught myself machining. I'm uh, still still very much in the learning stages, but I'm at a point where I can accomplish the task I need to. might not be the right way, air quotes, right way, but I can get it done. Uh, and then I got a metal lathe and just kind of kept going from there. So now I've kind of started to supplement all the woodworking equipment in my shop with a whole slew of metalworking stuff and machining tools. So... Uh, it's just been, it's fun because it's, I like to take this big giant chunk of material and turn it into something, you know, like a precision part. It's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you use like CAD software for that? No, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm probably one of the few people that does not use CAD software. Uh, I never learned it in school. I never took any classes for it. I, I can stumble my way through some basic functions in CAD software uh, I will say I'm pretty darn good in Google SketchUp, which is going to make a lot of people that use CAD software cringe. But uh, that is kind of my goal for this year or just the next year or so is to really hone in some skills on that because I know that that's the direction everything's going. I'm still a pen and paper kind of person. Um, I'll, I'll do everything, you know, to scale on graph paper and use that to machine parts. But I know I need to – I need to. So that's really my goal is this, you know, near futures really teach myself or take some lessons or do something to learn how to use it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So kind of going back to the, uh, the social media side of things, like I think you're, I, I looked, you're, you're sitting at about 20,000 right now. Like mm. talk me through kind of like the, the growth of your account. Like when did you kind of start picking up, up followers? Uh, so I, like I said, I branded, I rebranded over in 2017 and, um, it was a slow, it was a slow growth for the next probably two or three years. Like I'm talking like from say 500 followers to maybe 2,500 over the course of two years, maybe three. Uh, and then it just really started to pick up cause I kind of decided that I was gonna make a little bit more effort for consistency. And I always say consistency gets you the farthest or consistency, makes Instagram the happiest or whatever. But I figured, well, let's try, let me try and post, let me try and post every day. But I told myself that if it wasn't something that I thought would be a good content, I wasn't going to post it. And that's still the way I try and do it. So I do try and post every day, though if I don't have something that I think is worthwhile posting, I'm going to skip it. But I would say the last the last year or so, I, I think really the last 12 to 15 months is when I went from maybe the 10,000 range to 20. It just kind of it started going. It started picking up. And then, you know, and then you hit a dead spot. So, like, I've been sitting at this, like, 20.8 for maybe four months. And that's just kind of the way it rolls. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Facebook will change the algorithm and then you'll be right yeah, back yeah. up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. So, so um, in terms of content, like, have you noticed anything different between, like, photos and videos? Like, oh, what, yeah, yeah what, what is kind of, like, your, your content of choice? Personally, I... I really still enjoy the photo aspect of it, and I know that it's been said that Instagram is no longer a photo sharing app. Instagram is a video sharing app. Uh, I still miss the days uh, where it was a photo sharing app. I do like photos because photos give you an opportunity to really look at something and study it and for you know see it for what it is versus you know video where you're moving around or you're moving past it or it's a faster pace. Obviously, videos videos and reels on Instagram specifically do so much better. And they, you know, they will, they will go crazy where you might have a photo post where I sit at 20,000 followers. I could post a photo that I am psyched on and it might get like a few hundred likes because Instagram's like photo, you know, poo poo's photos. I could post a reel of the same thing, just like panning around it and it might get, you know, tens of thousands of views and likes. And so that part's a little frustrating at times because sometimes I just want to post a darn photo of what I'm doing, but reels reels are where the growth is right now so yeah you know. absolutely i i can totally rate it. it's it's always for me like the content that i think is going to do the absolute best that just completely bombs and then it's like the content yep. i'm like i guess i'll throw this up there and then it like you know goes off the charts like yeah case in point i posted a stupid video last year of this humongous c clamp that i have um this this big c clamp yeah. that i'm holding up it's probably about 16 inches the body of it's about 16 inches long. Uh, that it was completely frozen solid with rust, and part of what you know, part of the restoration work and everything. I've got a big 55 gallon drum of Evaporust, which is like my favorite liquid ever. So I just posted a kind of a stupid like four second video of me taking this rusty giant clamp and just dunking it in the tank. And it was to me, I was like, oh, this is this is silly, but like, who like not a lot of people have a giant 55 gallon drum of this stuff. So I go ahead and post that, dunk it in, and. You know, gets a few thousand views or whatever over the next few weeks. And all of a sudden, one day, like a switch flipped and it just started taking off. And it's like, right right now, it's sitting at like 3.2 million views oh and, you know, like 40,000 likes and comments. And it's just the most simple, you know, 
pointless, really, video. Yeah. And it doesn't even show the taking it back out. That was the next video, you know, because at that point I was like, well, now I have to post the next, like, you know, part two, right? Yeah, but yeah. You'd be at 30 million things. if you'd done that, yeah. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> People could see the after, you know. But, but that's the thing about interaction, too, is, you know, there was, a, there was a, a ton of comments because it was a video I just expected to do, you know, just it's just kind of a funny, like, this big giant clamp and a giant vat, right? Yeah. But a lot of the comments were, you know, Oh, I hate these videos. It doesn't show the it doesn't show the finished product, or a lot of it was stuff like that. But as negative as that could seem, that's your interaction and that's your engagement, and that's what's just pushing it further and further and further up. So it's kind of the, ir- the irony of it is even those comments that are like, "Well, these videos are stupid." Like, well, you're watching it and you're commenting on it, and you're just pushing it further and further. So exactly. for what it's worth, you know. Yeah, if you don't yeah, like I'm, something, don't don't comment on it. Like, you're right, you know? right, yeah. <laughs> Pro no, tip. No, no I, 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 lo- I love those people. And I'm always jealous because I wish I had like the free time to comment on stuff. That, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like who has the time for this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so so for your content, do you are you like exclusively um, shooting on like a phone? Do you have a camera? Like how, how is that kind of working? Yeah, I have three, three sources of video. Uh, my iPhone 12 is probably the most used just because it's always on me easy to grab and go and they've made the you know the cameras are so good now but i tend never to film in instagram i always film outside of instagram even for photos a lot of people just do stories or whatever in instagram if i can get away with it i'll do them outside because the quality is so much higher but i use that um i have a gopro 7 that i'll just abuse the heck out of so like i'll clamp that to my lathe, to my milling machine, to a water jet, to whatever, just to get the shot on the welder. You know, I, I use the UV lens protectors on it and go through like five of them in a project. But, um, and then I have a older Canon DSLR of a 5D Mark II with a bunch of L glass that I use for actual, you know, if I'm going to shoot something for YouTube or if I'm going to shoot something that I just want that nice depth of field, I'm not afraid to put it on a tripod in portrait orientation and just film, you know, film for Instagram with a DSLR. But, I just sometimes I want that depth of field. I want the lens quality. So I use that as well. Although being as it's older, I'm limited to like a 10 or 12 minute video length, clip length. Uh, so that's the only kind of frustrating part. But it still shoots great for being a 12-year-old DSLR. So Yeah. I mean, when that camera came out, that was like the camera. It's, it's amazing how well that footage is held up. It um, still is, yeah. Yeah. So, so then um, – in terms of the content, have you had like any brands kind of like reach out to mm-hmm. you to, to kind of partner with them? And like, how has that kind of experience been? It's pretty crazy because you know when I was when I was still a smaller account, when I was still kind of finding my niche in this community. Uh, so uh, one of my one of my good friends, uh, Chris Zepieri, is he's one of the guys that I uh, used to ride bikes with and kind of kind of grew up alongside, so to speak. Um, he runs a business called Make Everything Shop. And he's big on Instagram and even bigger on YouTube. But I would watch him, you know, he puts out videos with really good consistency. That's his, I mean, he's really very, very successful in this, in this field. So I've watched him and, you know, watched him work with brands and all that. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's really cool. You know, if I get to this point, maybe something like that will happen. And so it really wasn't until I would say the last, year and a half two years that that started to really take place where smaller it started with smaller brands and it kind of worked its way up so at this point i've partnered with you know formally partnered with um i think four four brands for uh 
continuing content and product and showcasing and all that. And then I've worked, you know, here and there with over a dozen other brands on, you know, one-off things, one-time things. And, you know, sometimes it's worked out awesome and it's been a really, a really beneficial experience saying, you know, the community's heard about it on, you know, through my feed and sometimes it, it doesn't work out that great. So it just never makes it to the, to the yeah. public, so to speak, you know? Yeah, I can, I can definitely understand that. Like, so kind of having had that experience, I, I kind of feel like there's, there's, um, maybe, two types of, 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 uh, you know, makers out there right now. There, there's the people who are making things to sell. And then the, there's kind of like a new generation of makers who are, um, maybe kind of doing more of like the content creation mm-hmm. thing, kind of like the influencer stuff. Do you have like a preference on, on which side you like more and, and why? Yeah. So I guess, I guess it's sort of, I, I try and meet in the middle. I don't ever, I don't feel like I ever want to be at a point where I'm just solely being a content creator. I don't love that term, no matter how factual or accurate or descriptive it may be. Um, I still want to be someone that is making a physical, tangible thing for a purpose, not just throwing a weld on something to make a video or, you know what I mean? So I'll try and do, whether it's a project or, you know, something for for a customer or for myself, uh, I I still want to have a purpose in what I do. So uh, I would say that I try and straddle that with a little bit more being on the line of making something for a purpose, making something not necessarily to sell. Like I said, if it's, you know, a commission or if it's just something for me, you know, if I got an, an old 50s South Bend lathe and, I have to, and I'm going to rebuild the entire thing and have it be my new lathe, that's still a lot of great machining and fabrication content, but it's for a purpose, it's for a machine, it's for me. So I'm not trying to generate a project or an idea solely for the purpose of making content, you know? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of like the products that you do make to sell, like, are you predominantly commission based right now? Like, do you have like something like an Etsy or are you selling through Instagram? Like, how is that working? Um, the, the one thing that I like, the one product that I, that I produce, um, just to sell for, you know, that's the one off of those little bottle, those little carabiners that are also little bottle openers and stuff. Those I just sell through Instagram. I have an Etsy. It's mostly just as a, it's mostly there just for um, a platform for Printful for shirts and stuff. But the the brass things, the carabiners, I sell through Instagram, and then everything else is commission based. So someone says, "Hey, I, I need this this non-existent part for a hundred year old vice replicated, yeah. or I need a specific piece made for a brace for a piece of furniture." You know, so that's the kind of stuff, and I like that a lot more because it's never the same. Yeah. It's not ever, you know, hey, can you make twenty of these? cutting boards for me to give to my, you know, I'm a real estate agent to give to my clients, you know? So it's not that it's, everything's different. It's all, you know, there's no set way to do stuff. And it's always kind of a, okay, here's this weird thing. Here's half of a weird thing. I need to figure out what the other half looked like and then figure out how to make it and then make it. That's a lot more fun for me. So that's awesome. When you're, when you're always doing something unique, I got to imagine like one of the the biggest challenges is like pricing that kind of work. Like how do you, how do you price a project that you've never done before? It's tough. And, you know, and I, if it's something I've I've never done before, I'll really put, I'll probably put a half hour, an hour time into it of my own time, just kind of figuring, you know, going through processes and figuring out in my head what, you know, what's this going to take? What's going to be involved in this? What machinery or equipment am I going to use for it? Um, Materials, that's easy. Materials, I can figure that out quick and that pricing, that's easy. That's just a markup thing. But labor wise, I know that if this is a process I've never done before and I need to make sure that I, I, you know, understand it and can perform it for this task. I'm not going to charge a customer for my learning curve. That's not fair. You know, if I spend 10 hours uh, refining a process to do 
a project for a customer two hours, I'm not going to charge them for 12. I'm not only going to charge them for two, but I'm going to, I'm going to find a, 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 you know, a balance that's kind of fair. And, you know, the other thing too is I'll always bounce pricing off of a couple of friends of mine that are also in similar industries and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking for this. Where, where do you think I'm at price-wise? Am I high? Am I low? And we'll kind of go back and forth there. So, you know, I just try and keep a, I try and keep a ballpark figure per hour for myself and price my materials and that's kind of where I'll work off of. But if it's something I've done a million times and it's something I'm totally comfortable with, like just fabricating a bracket with tabs and all that stuff, and it's just cut, weld, and drill, that's easy. That's just hours of material, you know, time of materials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, long-term, um, is this something that you would want to to grow and evolve into, like, a full-time job? Like, are you kind of happy doing it on the side? Like, kind of what's, what's the plan there? You know, it's tough. I, I really enjoy my... I call it my day job. I really enjoy my job. You know, it's fun because it's the same thing. It's, it's always something different. It's never, it's never the same thing. And, and I still get to mix in a, I mix in a lot of carpentry at the day job too. So, you know, if I'm, if we've got a brand new store that's, that we've acquired and are remodeling, there's going to be demo, there's going to be electrical, there's going to be uh, cabinetry, there's going to be fabrication, steel fabrication and all that. And I'm a licensed contractor too in Massachusetts, so I can do all that stuff. And it's still fun for me to do carpentry, like rough and finish carpentry. That's I love doing that. I always describe myself more as a carpenter, definitely more than that than a woodworker when yeah. it comes to wood. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of fun, and I don't think that I would want to walk away from that. If I could grow this into something where it would be much more of an equal, like instead of a five-day week and then doing this on my weekends and my nights, if I could kind of turn it more into – you know, shifting it down a little bit. And this is like a long-term plan too. This isn't like tomorrow. But if I could grow this into something where I could sustain, you know, three days, four days a week with this and then, you know, cut the other one down by a day or two uh, and still get what I need done. Because I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to cut down on the day job to the point that I can't get done what needs to get done. You know, I, I think I can find, I think I can, you know, be more efficient and, you know, delegate some of the other stuff. Like I don't necessarily always need to be the small engine mechanic. Yeah. Finding an actual mechanic would take a lot of that pressure off of there. And, you know, but that's like a long-term plan of kind of trying to just find that path and fit those puzzle pieces together. But uh, I don't know. I just, I love both aspects of it. So finding a good, a good healthy mix that would be comfortable would be the best case scenario for me. Yeah. It feels like kind of maybe the trend is going to that like four day work week, which would be, I, I mean, I would love that. Like it would be absolutely perfect. It's yeah. like you can that yeah, best of both worlds. Um, yeah. okay. So last question, this has been absolutely fantastic and has just completely Thanks, yeah. flown by, but <laughs> yeah, 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 really. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask, like, you've achieved a lot of success and, and honestly, in a very kind of like almost non-traditional way. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe just starting out who might kind of want to follow in your footsteps and, and kind of find some of the same success that you've you found? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the one thing that I always tell people is, uh, you know, when people ask, you know, I, I don't know how to do this. Or I'm really not sure if I'm able to or whatever. Just try it. Just try it. Go out there and give it a shot. Or... If you don't have the means to try it, there, I, can, I will almost guarantee you that to anyone that would ask that question, there is someone in your community within an within easy access distance, driving distance, there's someone that has that equipment, that has that knowledge, that has those skills, that would be happy to work with you and teach you. The community is your best resource for this. Um, 
obviously the internet, YouTube, all that, but like the community is your best resource and the community is full of amazing people that are super talented and super willing to share their knowledge and educate. And I think that that is something that is kind of under accessed or underutilized right now because so much of it is, oh, well, you know, I know this, you can, you know, you can take my class or I'm just going to give you the real basic Instagram 30 second version of how to do this. But the people that are actually, you know, able to teach are people that will spend time with you and, and, utilize that that's like that's that's where so much of my knowledge and information has come from is the community and people that were willing to share that knowledge and information so i try and do the same thing i try and give the same thing back so don't be afraid to try something like you know don't be afraid to share your progress or your mistakes that's yeah yeah, i don't know i mean that's that's always been it like if i if i'm learning a process and i am the first couple of practices look horrible i'm gonna be like hey look how terrible this is but at the same time 10 you know 10 tries later, look at this. And, you know, that's kind of inspirational, even to me, myself, that I can figure something out, you know, and make it look good. So use the community, try stuff. Don't be afraid to try stuff and just don't be afraid to figure out, you know, hey, this is, this is what I love because that's what I did. I just kept trying different things until I found stuff that I was like, oh, this, I really like this. I want to do more of this and, you know, find your little niche that way. That's, that's fantastic. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, don't be afraid to suck at something new. And I, I feel yes. like that's like, yeah, just amazing yeah, life 100%. advice for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's like story of my life. Like I just, did a, I just finished up a big stainless steel fabrication job last week and I had zero experience TIG welding stainless that thin. Yeah. So I spent like, I spent almost 10 hours just practicing because I, I couldn't afford to screw up the final product. So I spent all the time practicing and it went from horrible, I don't even want to show you, to you know what? This is going to work. I can make it. I can. I did it. Blended it. Looks great. I'm happy with it. So, don't be afraid to suck. Because if I was afraid to suck, I wouldn't have even done the job. Exactly. Exactly, man. Well, awesome. Okay. So, where can uh, where can everybody uh, find you? Get in touch with you. See your work. So on Instagram uh, at manmade in ma, like you said, m a n n m a d e in ma, and that's man with two n's because that's my name, and ma from Massachusetts because that's where I am. And then same thing on Instagram. Or I'm I'm sorry. Same thing on YouTube. YouTube.com slash manmade in MA. Fantastic, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. This has been absolutely fantastic. Really, thank you. It. I had a blast. Yeah, thank oh, you so awesome. much. And uh, and thank you all for uh, for listening. Please be sure to uh, follow sawblade.com on all the social channels. Also, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. That way, you can stay up to date on all the upcoming episodes. And until next time, thanks so much for listening. We'll see ya. <laughs>